As G.K. Chesterton said, a dead thing can go with the stream, but only a living thing can go against it. Here on Swimming Upstream, we go against the cultural stream by championing life, liberty, and the pursuit of holiness. Your host is Eric Sammons, author of seven books, including Holiness for Everyone, The Old Evangelization, and Bitcoin Basics. Now let's get swimming. Hello, and welcome to Swimming Upstream. Today I'd like to talk about Brett Kavanaugh, the recent uh, nominee from President Trump for the Supreme Court, and about the Supreme Court in general. There's really three things I want to talk about. I want to talk about Kavanaugh himself, how I think he'll do as, if he is confirmed, how he would do as a Supreme Court justice. I also want to talk about the recent uh, sexual assault allegations against him and how they factor into all of this confirmation process. And then finally I want to talk a little bit about the Supreme Court itself and its role in American society and politics and the power it has over us. Okay, so let's get started. First, Brett Kavanaugh. What do I think about him particularly? I think in general, he's a solid pick. Uh, I, I don't think he's necessarily outstanding. I think there's some problems with him, but I think overall he's solid. And what do I mean by solid? Essentially, I would say a Supreme Court justice is solid if they recognize the limited power of the federal government. If they recognize the, for example, the 10th Amendment, that the states have power, any power that the Constitution doesn't grant explicitly to the federal government, the states have. That's just one example. And Kavanaugh seems to at least be open to the idea that the federal government does need to be limited, especially like the administrative state. I mean, the reality is today that it's not our elected officials that really have power over us. It's the, the multitude of uh, appointed people in government, hired guns in government, they really have most of the power anymore. And they're not answerable to anybody, really. And Kavanaugh seems to understand that. And so another thing that he understands, of course, is the Second Amendment and the importance of the Second Amendment. That the Second Amendment is something that gives us certain rights to own uh, and bear arms, and that should be protected. And one of the main reasons that should be protected is precisely in order to keep in check the power of the government. If it knows that it's people that is ruling, the people it's ruling are armed and could use those arms, it's going to be less likely to do anything too drastic, hopefully. And also, obviously, we each just have a right to bear arms simply for our own self-protection, for hunting, and for those reasons. So again, there, Kavanaugh is very solid. Now, on a couple issues, I'm not quite as confident in him. One is on the issue of abortion. I know a lot of people, a lot of conservatives, are just assuming Kavanaugh is going to be solid on abortion, that he's going to want to overturn Roe or something to that effect. And most pro-abortion people, most liberals, think the opposite. They're against Kavanaugh precisely because they think he could overturn Roe. Well, I don't think we really know exactly what he's going to do. And the fact is, the track record of a Republican nominee's appointments to the Supreme Court when it comes to abortion is pretty dismal because it basically usually comes out as they end up uh, supporting Roe in the end. So I don't think we can get too excited about him. He might be great. You know, there's no way to know for sure. Now, the biggest troubling aspect of Kavanaugh explicitly, though, is on the Fourth Amendment in that Kavanaugh seems to grant the state a lot of powers over us to monitor us, to... Uh, you know, violate our privacy rights, frankly. It's not 100% clear where he stands on this, but from some previous decisions, it does look like 
he seems to grant the government authority for security reasons to, uh, to, to, to spy on us, basically, to spy on ordinary citizens without due process of the law. And so that's a troubling aspect. But all in all, I'd have to say Kavanaugh is a solid pick. I mean, we can't expect you know, Judge Napolitano to be appointed by Trump. And so I think that he's a solid pick. Now, honestly, I was kind of hoping he would um, pick Barrett uh, because I thought that would be, you know, just something to make liberals' heads explode. But in the end, I think Kavanaugh, if he is appointed, will probably be, on a whole, a decent Supreme Court justice. Now, what about, I'm re when I'm recording this, uh, this, it's the week that Kavanaugh has been accused of sexually assaulting uh, a woman when he was in high school at a party, uh, Professor Ford, I believe her name is. And so right now, as I'm, as I'm recording this, uh, she has not testified, and she said, at first she said she would testify in front, of, uh, in front of the Senate, then she said she wouldn't, then she said she would, and so we're not quite sure where that stands. But I think there's two questions that really come out about this. The first one is, is the allegation true? Did uh, Justice Kavanaugh, did he assault this woman when he was 17 in high school at a, at a party? And the second question is, if true, does that disqualify him from the Supreme Court? So let's look at both questions. The first one, is it true? I think the honest answer is we have no idea. There's no way to know for sure if it's true. We really just have a he said, she said. Because she doesn't have any uh, uh, corroborating evidence to justify, you know, to um, back up what she's accusing him of. He can only say, yeah, no, I didn't do it, and there's no way he can really prove, at least at this point, he hasn't shown any way to prove that he wasn't there and he didn't do this. And so really, it's just a he said, she said. And you could go either way on that. Honestly, I think, you know, in this era of Me Too, I think we tend to uh, agree, uh, support the victim, the, the, the proposed victim. And I think that makes sense because I think there has been a lot of cover-up of these type of assaults. And I think it's good to basically, in general, support and, um, and support the person who's, who is uh, being victimized. But I think in the same time, without any other evidence other than just a woman saying this happened, I don't think we can say, okay, it's true then. Because if we did, then essentially that gives just any individual power over somebody else to just make an accusation and then it sticks and then that person's career, that person's life is basically over. And I don't think we can do that either. So at this point, I think we just have to say that there's no evidence for other than this woman's statement and so therefore we can't abide by it just for that reason alone. But even a deeper question is, should this be disqualifying? Now in this case, we have no record of a history of sexual assault. There's no other accusations against Kavanaugh. In fact, most people have claimed that he's a very honorable, decent person. Uh, no reason to believe that as he grew older any of this happened. And so let's just, for the sake of argument, assume this is a one-time case. He's a drunk teenager and he does this. Now, it's not condoning this action, this alleged action, to say that it's not necessarily disqualifying now that he's in his 50s to be a Supreme Court Justice. If we disqualify what people, if we, we take the actions of a 17-year-old drunk kid and we say, okay, that disqualifies you from any higher office for the rest of your life, I think a lot of people would be in a lot of trouble. I don't think we can do that. And so when you say that, it sounds like you're dismissing sexual assault. And if you know all the things I've been talking about in recent months about what's happening in the Catholic Church, you'll know I don't think that. 
I think sexual assault is very serious and that in general these accusations should be taken seriously and people who are accused of these things and are found to be uh, uh, evidence that, that, that they're guilty they should lose their positions of power. Somebody like Cardinal McCarrick should be in jail, frankly. Somebody like Bishop Archbishop Wurl, or Cardinal Wurl, who is uh, covered up for this, should be ousted from office. And all the Hollywood predators should be uh, lose their jobs and, and should potentially face criminal action. But if at the same time, I do think there's a difference between somebody who has a lifetime of this type of abuse and somebody who has one incident potentially as a teenager. I think a lot of people did things that they regret as teenagers and I don't think that necessarily counts against them. So even if true, I don't necessarily think it's a disqualifying, um, it's, it's, it's a disqualifier for the Supreme Court. And I do think though, it's, we have no way of proving it's true and so we have to have innocent until proven guilty. That's just the way things work in this country. I think that needs to happen here. Okay, now the third thing I wanted to discuss though in regards to this uh, Kavanaugh and the Supreme Court battle I want to discuss the Supreme Court itself and the power of the Supreme Court itself. Confirmation battles have, begotten, have gotten so ugly in recent times. And it's not really even that long ago that this wasn't the case. What's shocking to anybody who looks into this, Justice Scalia, who, you know, who died not too long ago, he was a very polarizing figure and one of the most polarizing justices in recent times. Yet, in his confirmation, he was voted in 98 to 0. He didn't receive a single dissenting vote against his nomination. And so he was confirmed easily. And think about that today. Somebody Scalia was, was nominated today. What a bruising battle it would be. And really, we all know it started with the nomination of Robert Bork in the late 80s. And that became, you know, it's called Borking now when they do this. Clarence Thomas was a fiasco, was a circus. You know, so many of these have become circuses. Because essentially what's happening is that the opposing party of the president wants to try to do anything it can to shut this down. Now, I will say in general, nominees from Republicans become much more bruising battles than nominees from Democrats. And I think it's frankly because Democrats understand power better. They understand how to wield that power. They understand how to manipulate it. And so they're much more likely to do everything they can to stop a Supreme Court justice they don't like. But implicit in these battles, is the assumption of the power of the Supreme Court. And I think that's really the real problem here. It's not whether or not Kavanaugh would be a good justice or whether Scalia was a good justice or anything like that. It's the fact that it's so important in the daily lives of, of Americans. It's nine people, basically nine men and women have so much power. They're probably, the Supreme Court is probably the most powerful institution in this country, aside from maybe the Federal Reserve as well, even more powerful, powerful than the presidency. Because the president can just be well, it can be impeached, but even more likely can be just elected out of office. And there's a lot the uh, president can't do. They can't legislate from the White House. And technically, the Supreme Court's not supposed to be able to legislate, but that's exactly what they do so often. And the, the, no better example of that than Roe v. Wade, the decision that legalized abortion in this country. When states were deciding whether or not through their state legislatures, legislatures were deciding whether or not they should legalize abortion or not, all of a sudden, the Supreme Court just swooped in and said, oh, it's legal in the entire country. And people like to think they only legalized it in the first few months of pregnancy. That's actually not true. Roe v. Wade and another case that happened around the same time, Doe v. Bolton, basically made it so that there's no real restrictions on abortion. Here in Ohio, where I live, people think that abortions after viability are not legal. Yet there's a doctor in, who practices, uh, abortion doctor who practices in Dayton and Cincinnati who performs abortions up to, up to 36 weeks of pregnancy. 
And so, and he brags about it. It's not something hidden, Dr. Haskell. He, he brags about the fact that he does this. And other doctors like Dr. Carhartt in Maryland do the same thing. And so what we have here is we have though, the point is that the Supreme Court legalized through fiat, it legalized abortion in the entire country. And that's not the way things are supposed to be. Laws are only supposed to be changed by the legislature. That's what they're supposed to do. They're not supposed to be dictated from on high by the Supreme Court. If that's exactly what's happening, gay marriage is another example where states were deciding uh, whether or not to legalize gay marriage. And again, the Supreme Court just swooped in and said, okay, it's legal throughout the entire country. And in the end, it shouldn't matter if you agree with or disagree with the Supreme Court decisions in these cases. You know, I disagree with them, but maybe others might agree with them. That doesn't matter. What matters is, is the Supreme Court, that's not their job. They're basically just supposed to say if, if a law has been passed by a le state legislature or by the Congress, they're just supposed to say whether or not it conforms to the Constitution or not. And in most cases it doesn't because the Constitution doesn't give the federal government, especially all the powers that it's given to itself. But so what ha has happened is a group of nine men and women have become incredibly powerful in this country. And that's why we had these bruising Supreme Court battles. I think a better solution long term is we need to recognize the real role of the Supreme Court. It really should not have such a powerful role. I mean, government in general shouldn't have such a powerful role in our lives, but the Supreme Court in specific should not. And we need to scale back their power, scale back the power of the Supreme Court. And I think in a lot of times, I think a way to do that is through nullification. Where a state, for example, just simply ignores the decision of the Supreme Court. If a state has a decision, makes a decision of something that is uh, not granted, a power not granted to the federal government, the Constitution, and so therefore they have a right under the Tenth Amendment to set that law, and the Supreme Court comes in and it nullifies and it, and it um, overturns that law, I think the state should just ignore it and just, and just nullify that decision of the Supreme Court. And instead the state should say, nope, that's still the law of the land. We're going to enforce it, just like we have the power to do so. I think that those are the type of steps we need to take in order to take back some of the power from the Supreme Court. And if the Supreme Court weakens in its power, then I hopefully we won't have these stupid battles every time a Supreme Court justice dies and a new one is nominated. So in, this, in essence, I think this uh, battle over Kavanaugh and all the battles through the Supreme Court justices are unnecessary battles. I mean, I understand they're necessary now because of the way we do things. But I think generally they should become unnecessary battles where Supreme Court justices are almost a rubber stamp who are the president. You know, the president was duly elected and so he or she has the right to pick whoever he, want, he or she wants unless the person is just incompetent. I mean, like, unless it's Harry, Harriet Myers, like Bush picked that one time that was just a joke, then the, 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 the Senate should basically rubber stamp it, except for in cases of extreme incompetence or something of that nature. But more importantly, I think what needs to happen is, I think what needs to happen is the Supreme Court needs to lose a lot of its power. And so these battles don't happen anymore. Okay, well that's it for today's episode. Until next time, keep swimming against the stream.